Hey, welcome back to Writing is Hard Work. I'm Roger Colby. Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing my former student teacher. You might ask, why am I, Why are you interviewing a former student teacher for a, a writing podcast? Let me tell you something about Mr. Trey Cabler. This guy knows his stuff, and uh, I was really happy to be able to interview him for the podcast about what makes a great story. So here it is. I mean, we <clears throat> we we sit around. We used to sit around and talk about story all the time. Whenever you were student teaching in my classroom, um, and I remember your most awesome lesson, which I totally stole, <laughs> which is where the kids create a alien race and planet and culture and all that stuff, and then they have to have like a fight to determine who is the most dominant of the species. Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah, uh, which was great. And I, I love it, and I've used it a couple times now um, because it's really good. And it really explores, like, um, story and creating story. Um, so, Trey, what do you think makes a great story? Why are we drawn to things like, I mean, I can think about, like, Breaking Bad I can think about uh, Pulp Fiction, but um, what do you think? What do you think draws us to great? I mean, what makes a great story? What do you have to have? Um, that's that is, I think, as complex a, cl- a question as you can get with regard to uh, the subject of of English and writing, right? Well, I've got um, all night, dude. I know <laughs> there's, you know, there's just. That's it's so much to unpack, right? But just just the couple things you mentioned. It's funny that you mentioned Pulp Fiction because I watched that the other night for the first time in a little bit. Really? And yeah, like I'm I watched Kill Bill last night. I'm gonna get part two in this evening after this. Um, you know, for somebody like Tarantino, I feel like story writing just comes to them naturally. Um, yeah. I see Tarantino as, as you know, the kid in, in class who probably isn't really great at what we talk about as traditional English, quote unquote, sure. but um, his mind runs wild. And I think that true great storytelling taps into something um, with regard to our imagination and where the human mind just kind of flows that that a lot of uh, a lot of society isn't isn't really adept at getting into. I think the biggest aspects you have to have in a good story is you have to have you have to have really good characters. And whenever I say good, that's just that's such a loaded word, right? Um, for me personally, I prefer to have characters that tend to be more morally ambiguous, right? I don't yeah. uh, I don't enjoy characters that are all good or all evil. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. the reason why is so often I find myself drawn to characters that have flaws just because I I see flaws of my own, right? Um, But I know what kind of person I am at heart in the same way that you have, you know, you have bad guys in stories, um, your archetypal antagonist, that they might not be viewed necessarily as completely bad or maybe they came from a background that made them that way. So it makes them yeah. sympathetic. I think I've written about this before. I wrote, wrote about this on the, on the blog one time about like what makes a great villain. And a great mm-hmm. villain is somebody who, yeah, they're evil and stuff, but they have a reason why, like a solid logical reason why they are the way they are. 
which know, it's I mean, <clears throat> look at look at uh, we talked about Breaking Bad. I mean, look at uh, look mm-hmm. at Walter White. I mean, here's a guy who you and I would totally when I watched that. I don't know about you as a teacher, but watching that going. Yeah, I could see somebody. Do- <laughs> you, know, I mean, you don't make any money, and you're, you know, you're, 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 you get diagnosed with stage four cancer, and your son has got disability, and your wife is having a baby, and you. The disenfranchised chemistry teacher down the hallways, once yeah. one bad cancer know, diagnosis away from making meth. Remember, we used to, we used to teach with a guy who was a chem teacher. That we thought oh, he's about a step away from. Maybe do it. <laughs> what a what a great what a great guy though. His yeah, character, he's a great guy. His his character arc just needed one more thing, just, just one, one straw more. to break the camel's back. Yeah, I think um, I think I've talked about this too on the podcast before about character and the thing that thing that I, and I, what I've been really examining lately is uh, Coen Brothers characters. Mm-hmm. Have you ever just like analyzed some Co- some Coen Brother characters? I mean, um, not are, as they're just ordinary folk, usually, yep. with some kind of bizarre quirk. Yeah, or or they have you know it's it's that old adage of you know heroes aren't born, heroes are made, right? Yeah. Villains aren't born, villains are made. You know, you have these, you know, in Fargo, you have these uh, <laughs> these characters with these thick dorky accents that make them comical even while they're throwing somebody into a wood chipper, you know? Yeah. Um, or in yeah. Lebowski, you uh, have, <laughs> you know, pot smoking, uh, bowlers who just happen to, you know, get in on some kind of major crime. Yeah. And that's, you know, they're, those kind of characters are endearing. Um, sure. but that's, you know, that's what makes them great. I've said, I've always said that the great story, I mean, of course, you know, the bare bones of the story is you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, you know. But then even, like, I mean, novels have subplots, but screenplays have subplots as well. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have a good, believable story, even if it's not, even if it's fanciful, even, I mean, Good Grief, Lord of the Rings is completely believable, even though it's yep. a fantasy world. Um, but it has to be believable. Um, people can't be confused by it. I mean, it has to be understandable by the simplest of people, right? Mm-hmm. But also, yep. what you try to do is to tell that story, and then you build on that to create something a little more, you know, heady, where people are like digging in and finding things in there, you know. And sometimes those things happen by accident. Yeah, which do you which do you personally whenever you're writing which do you think comes first? Is it the is it the story or is it the characters? Oh god, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> because I was thinking about this the other day because uh a few years ago I got to meet Timothy Zahn, who was the guy who invented the Thrawn series, you know, the Star Wars Thrawn series. He made Thrawn, you know. And um at the time, I just finished up working on my trilogy, my space trilogy, space opera. And to do that, I spent six months like just designing all these planets and stuff. You know, we talked about that lesson at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, dude, I, I designed entire ecosystems and planets and people. I was like talking it, you know, like Tolkien. Like, I remember that was, I think that you were finishing writing the third um 
the third book whenever I was student teaching with you. Yeah. And I guess I came at a perfect time for you because I would just be like, all right, I'm going to teach for the day. And you're like, I'm going to be over here in the corner typing away. <laughs> Working on this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I talked to him about it and I told him about that. And he said, you wasted your time. That was the first thing out of his mouth. Man. This guy's written, I don't know how much science fiction. He goes, you wasted your time. He said, you know what? He said, uh, I'm telling a story, and everything serves the story. And if you need to have a nice planet in your story, you make one real quick. And if you need to have a language, you just make one. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But see... I think it goes both ways because he, I mean, I think he's right in that sometimes you can just do that. Like you need this, so you make it. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the story elements that I had and even subplots and stuff that I had in my novels in that novel series came out of all that prep work. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, I, you know, maybe it's just a writer's preference. Um, mm-hmm. I think he makes a good point at the same time, you know, uh, that, you know, you're, you're, you're the one that's trying to get your point across, whatever, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time though, I would say that that style of writing can lead to maybe some, not laziness, laziness isn't the right word, right? But maybe some inconsistencies because whenever I watch say Star Wars episode seven, and there's a planet that's now a laser that can suck the life out of suns to shoot at whatever it wants. I'm like, oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> they just like nobody noticed. Yeah, right. nobody noticed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and <laughs> and then you know, it's uh, it's Han and Leia's son. Yes, that does it. Which yep. is exactly right out of those that series. I mean, it's they pulled it right directly from that, you know. So, I, you know, generally the way that I see it, right, is that you either have, sto- I mean, storytellers. I think generally fall into one of two categories, right? You either have people that know how to write a story, and then mm-hmm. they make characters that serve the purpose of the story, sure. or stories are born out of characters, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think the Coen brothers create characters and then make story. I I 100% agree. Another the way those are structured, I mean, good grief, the dude. That they just made that guy up. Yeah. And 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 honestly, they said that uh, I watched a, a special on it once and an interview with the Coen brothers and they said that they had in mind those actors to play those parts when they wrote it. Golly. So they wrote that part for for Bridges, and he played it to perfection. He did, and they, they wrote yep. the part for uh, for for Sam, John, Sam Sam whatever's like the cowboy. John, uh, well, not John Goodman. John Goodman was the other one in Lebowski. They wrote it for John Goodman about. too, but the, the the old cowboy that just shows up. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> He's well, like but like I, in any movie he's in. you know, I think about like a storyteller mm-hmm. and I think about Christopher Nolan, right? I feel like Christopher Nolan writes stories that he has characters that serve the plot, right? He has a central idea yeah. that he's wanting to play on. Whereas like you said, the Coen brothers are making characters and then building out from there. 
Um, right. But they're both, you know, they're both equally good and valid. It's just you have to, you just have to piece it all together in some way, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I think, uh, I think too, um, I was thinking about this as well, is that, um, there, you ever hear that story about Stephen King and Peter Straub? Right. I don't think so. <laughs> so Peter Straub and, and Stephen King got together to write the Talisman. Okay. I can't believe they wrote a sequel together and they did after this hearing this story, because I'm like, no way would I ever work with that guy again if that's the way I did things. But Peter Straub is a planner. There's two types of writers. There's your planner and the pantser. Okay. I'm the well, second. Guess, guess which one Stephen King is. He's, He's a pantser. pantser. He yep. doesn't ever plan. He just starts writing stuff and it just comes out of him. And he says he writes for therapy so he won't go kill people. And I'm like, okay. Uh, all right. Makes King. sense with most of his books. Yeah. Um, he's got a lot of perverts in his book too. Um, like really disturbed people. <laughs> They're severely perverted. Um, but Straub like wrote an entire outline for the talisman and wrote the first chapter and sent it off to King and King completely changed it and didn't rewrite it. Like surprised he didn't like burn it in the, in the microwave or something just to make a point. No, he wrote chapter two. It took a completely different turn. Okay. Right. And so Straub has to then rewrite his outline to fit that because it's the way he does things. And King just, Every time he sends it over to him to write more, King takes another turn, man. And he doesn't ever... And there's two types of writers. There's people that are pantsers and people that are planners. I think I'm more of a planner than I am a pantser. I, I, after teaching with you uh, and watching you go through that process, I think I would definitely agree with that. And I'm definitely the, I'm definitely the second type. I remember whenever... Uh, I was asked to do my, my research project during student teaching. I was just like, we'll figure this out the last two or three weeks of the semester. You know, no, I, I, I completely understand that though, but that dynamic um, that those two had, that's complimentary, right? Because, you know, King might not have come up with that complete twist and turn if somebody else didn't try and lay the path in front of him. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Taub wouldn't have necessarily gone gone the direction that he did with that outline if King wasn't making him think on his toes. Yeah. yeah. Um, either one's good though, you know. Either one can be successful. One thing, one thing that you have to do too, I think, to create great story is just to talk to people. Yeah. And and, and have people you could bounce stuff off of because if you're sitting and writing in a vacuum, it's really hard to do that. You know, I think King, yeah. King does it to a certain extent, but I think he talks to his wife a lot. He talks to his son. You know, I mean, he, he really does talk to people. He's got people that he relies on to like, hey, here's this idea I have. What do you think? Yeah. And I think you need that to really, it takes, a, it takes a room of people to really help you focus that idea into something that will work. It's that and also... um just that genuine life experience, I think, outside of just, you know, writing in that vacuum. Oh, yeah. Um, so many, it's pretty wild. I mean, within the realm of what we teach, 
we are teaching a lot of things that most people would consider to be classics, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but most of those authors uh, and their stories were not well received during their no. during their own time. No, um, for various reasons. But you know, a lot of the books that we term as classic come out of these authors that you find to be, you know, raging alcoholics is a very common theme. Um, but also just people that have lived a life that most people would find to be different or interesting. Uh Um, you know, most of those guys never had, I highly doubt that James Joyce was like, Hey, sweetie, what do you think of this? But because of his life experience. Yeah, he, I think uh, that I think that's true. The 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 great ones, the ones that we we hold up on a pedestal and we go, man, that look at that. I mean, like Faulkner. Yeah. You know, people like you, people like that. You know, um, uh, Maya Angelou. You know, people people that just had extraordinary lives, and that informed their fiction. That informed yep. what they wrote, um, and uh, I mean, we're we're right now we're doing uh, right now. We're, my seniors are reading uh, the things they carried. God, great book! And uh, oh my God, you know Tim O'Brien writing about just being in Vietnam. That's <laughs> like right. My my favorite two vignettes in that that really kind of illustrate what makes great story. I think is friends and enemies. Mm-hmm. If if you read that, you read the you read the enemies. If enemies comes first, and then friends. And enemies, the two dudes are like at each other's throats, trying to kill one another. Mm-hmm. And then friends, the other guy who was at the guy's throat is now like his buddy because the buddy's freaking out because he's hearing stuff in the woods and he's like running out in the woods naked and stuff, you know, being crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and it's. You you know, things like that, you can't just write that. That happened. That guy was a real person, and that really happened. And I think a lot of the stuff that Faulkner wrote about Yonkatawpha County might have been a fake place, but those people were real. I think yeah. he knew a lot of those people. He grew up with those people. Um, probably had a an Emily in his town, you know, who killed a guy and left him in her house and then slept with him in bed. Who knows if she re- that really happened? We don't know that. But I mean, that kind of stuff is informed by like a lifetime of just weirdness happening to you. And art art <laughs> is an imitation stuff. of life so yeah. often. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I think that that's why you really don't find a whole lot of really great artists, writers, whatever it is, that were uh, boring and lived a life of complete uh, comfort, if you will. I think, too, you know, I've had a lot of stuff happen to me in the past couple of years, family-wise. You know, yeah. you, you know about it. You've had yeah. stuff happen to you, too. And I think what that does makes us better writers. That tragedy, that happenstance, that life stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, dude, life is not Facebook. It's not like some Instagram post of my food. Mm-hmm. It's grit and pain and things and, and laughter. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm writing stuff now 
that I probably would never have considered writing when I was your age. Yeah. You know, I'm 50. What are you? What are you how are you, youngin? How old are you, youngin? How old do you think I am now? That's dude, what I want to know. Dude, you're, you're in your 20s. Yes. Mid-20s. Yep. Right? Okay. Yep. I'm right. I'm right in the middle. I'm 25. So we're okay. So we are exactly 25 years apart. Yeah. So I am writing stuff now that I would have never written when I was your age. Um, even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think the book I'm working on right now, I'm working on a couple actually two. I've got two that are just, I'm playing around with them. When I get time, I just play with them. One of them is a future, far future, post-apocalyptic story about an android or a robot. He's a robot. It's a robot. It doesn't have a gender. It's a robot that is observing our future. And it's not good, right? Because I think about a lot of stuff like in the long term politically, socially, uh, environmentally, economically, where are we headed, you know? Mm-hmm. The other one is this stupid train robbery story almost. It's like a, like a robbery story, right? And it's mm-hmm. not science fiction at all. It's more like a, more like a Coen brother. It really is. It's got stupid, weird, quirky characters that I've made up that are just absolutely off the wall, but based on people I know, based on people I've had relationships with in my life, you know, weirdos. The old neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been sworn to secrecy on that one. Um, <laughs> but it, it'll come out somehow. Freedom of speech, right? So, uh, so anyway, but I mean... Yeah, I think your experience is is definitely something that go live, dude. Get out of your yeah. house and go live your life. Go to a pub and you know in 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 Christian town and watch Christian people look town. At you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy that you messaged me this morning talking about writing and that <laughs> that exercise because well, a couple things, right? Um, in my my regular traditional English class, we just finished reading Fahrenheit 451. Oh, oh God! And we oh, also man. watched uh, we watched The Social Dilemma along oh, with it. Have you seen that? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. And it was such a it's such a cool experience, right? Because it's like you know, tenth graders are fifteen, sixteen, and it's like they have this weird moment of self awareness uh-huh. while they're reading this book along with watching that, yeah. realizing that they're you know, in a lot of ways, Bradbury has been prophetic in uh, in what he saw was going to happen mm-hmm. to the world, which is in it's insane to me that his foresight was that good. Yeah. But the exercise that we are now doing to end um, the book is a narrative writing assignment about you have to continue the storyline past where it ends. Right? Oh wow, that's great! And we started it today. And we just got back from two weeks out for for weather, right? So I mean, try and re-engage kids after two weeks in uh, <laughs> it's rough, online. Man. It's hardcore. 
a lot of them this is oh it's it's rough this is um the first time though the most of them have ever been given any kind of creative writing yeah since they've been in school yeah and their eyes, you know, most of them, I, I didn't tell them what kind of assignment we were doing. So most of them thought quiz or maybe a little test or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, we're going to, you guys get to make up your own story. And just their eyes lighting up, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, even with that kind of, you know, to some degree, innocence of, of what the world is really like, mm-hmm. just that moment of inspiration for them of going, yeah this is cool. Like, yeah, they have, they have characters made for them and everything else, but they get to, they get to think, do whatever they want with it. To come full circle. This is kind of cool in that it was a a 10th grade creative writing class where I first got the bug to write. Yeah. I mean, it, it is that age where, you know, the kids are just, just starting to figure things out. Like, like they're not a freshman anymore. And they're a sophomore. And it's like, oh man, but junior year, junior year is the the drudgery. But but <laughs> tenth, tenth, tenth grade is that year where you're just kind of bright eyed and you're just like, sky's the limit. You know, I can do mm-hmm. anything. You know, kind of. Um, and the seniors uh, that we what we do for our, our senior writing project is for their research project is they have to research an aspect of themselves. That's cool. Oh, God. It's the best. I'll have to send it to you. It's amazing. Um, But basically, they just start looking at themselves like, what what are my interests? What do I, what says who I am? And then they, they find one part that they don't know much about that, and they start to research it. And this girl found out that she was, you know, related to somebody <laughs> you and then whenever they get done they have a have a presentation and mm-hmm. the kids all like really knit each other knit together as a group when that happens because they are sharing something very personal with the group yeah who i am as a person you know it is just man it's the, it's the best writing ever because they're just really into it and they they all do it. It seems like it's like, you know, you get that senior that doesn't do their senior research project. Most of them do it. Most of them do it. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a little bit off track from writing, but just in general with teaching something that I think that I've realized, but also, you know, research supports is that ownership over, over what you're doing. Is such an important yeah. thing. Oh, and whenever you, whenever you tell a kid, I want you to talk to us about you or something about you, it's just like instantaneous, man. Right. Just well, buy in. Just you're you're not off track, honestly, because if you're going to write something that means something, it's got to mean something to you. Yeah. You can't just sit down and go, "Oh, well, I'm going to write a fantasy story." Do you even care about fantasy? Do you even care about that kind of a genre? Do you even care about what, I mean, what's your soapbox? Is it just going to be a story about, oh, here's my plot. and It's kind of interesting. And it's an adventure story. Who gives a crap? Yeah. You know, why, why don't you write something that is meaningful? I mean, this character is like, I'm working on this, you know, this Coen brother thing. There's a character in there. That's my dad. Really? Flat out is my dad. 
you know, and, and, uh, I didn't even realize it until I was sharing it with my wife and she goes, you just, you know, that's your dad. Right. And I was like, no, oh my God. It is. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, man. And, uh, and so yeah. it's like, and there was a, there was also like a, a fantasy of who my dad was that I had as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like an, you have that kind of wonderment of it's a complex dad is this. And then you find out, no, he's actually this other thing. And it's even cooler and more interesting than what you dreamed up of who he is. Um, Our kids all do. They have a, they have a, an image in their head of who we are. I I don't know that yet. (laughs) I don't know that yet. Thank, (laughs) thank heaven. No, not really. No, I, but I, you know, I understand that because as I, as a young man, I mean, my dad was pretty old whenever, uh, whenever I was born, but I remember, you know, as I got older, I I learned stuff about him and it changed my perception of him, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's not like you discover, oh my God, dad had an affair. It's like (laughs) you 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 get something about them like a sacrifice that they made that you didn't realize or you know it's even if even if it is something that is considered bad whatever mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. you know you see where they ended up and who they are now and you go it makes them more real exactly and it makes them honestly more of a even more of a hero to some degree you sure. know that's like this Those week, being perfect. Uh, you know, this last week I was driving my daughter to work in the snow mm-hmm. when it was deep. Okay. She How much did you cost? <laughs> no, get this. So Walmart, <laughs> right? It's two miles away. That's where she works. Yeah. Okay. So it's not terribly far. And I'm driving a front wheel drive car and it's a Honda, which is what my dad used to drive from like in the Little Axe area, right? Mm. all the way up to Reno every day. That's ridiculous. Here's the thing I found out. Dad taught me how to drive on snow when the roads are slick. Mm -hmm. He's like, just never go above 15 miles an hour and just keep it steady. Don't spin your tires. Just keep it steady. And I'm like, all right. So I I know how to do it. I, I can do it. Honestly, I don't get stuck. I don't get stuck. I drive on that stuff and I drive like that and I drive just steady, slow. As long as somebody, some idiot doesn't get out in front of me, you know, and get stuck and then I have to stop. I'm usually pretty, but even if I have to go, I just barely push on the gas and go. And yeah. what I learned from this when I was, what I was thinking about was my dad worked for a boss that basically was like, if you're going to be not here, we're taking it out of your vacation. And he only got two weeks of it. Yeah. And he wanted to spend that full two weeks with us. So he figured out so how to get to work. He figured out how to get to work. And that, yeah. that's something that I, I just like, man, that make a perfect little short story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's compelling. It's like sweet. And you know, it's like, but like I said, I wouldn't write stuff like that when I was your age, I want to write the, the gangbuster 
crazy adventure story. You know, when you want to you want to write the screenplay that's gonna that's yeah. gonna make enough money to retire so you right. can be a teacher comfortably yes. for the rest of your life. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, man. Uh, hey, this is great talking to you about story. I hope if you're listening to this, you've learned a few things um, or just started thinking about how you're gonna crack open your story. Um, Trey also has a podcast. You want to tell us about your podcast that you're you're getting underway here? Absolutely. Um, it is named Teacher's Pet Podcast. Um, I will be releasing hopefully one episode a week. Um, the main subject and content of it is talking to different guests every week um, regarding the the institution and the practice of education and mm-hmm. where we are with it and how we can move forward to try and fix some of the some of the big problems with it, but also celebrate the really awesome little victories that, that happen every day. So yeah. please tell your friends about it and give it a listen. Cool. All right. Well uh thanks for listening guys. This was this was uh, Roger Colby and my guest today was Trey Cabler. He's a teacher up at Bartlesville, America, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> and uh anyway, uh you guys keep writing and remember The only thing that's going to get your book written is bum glue and fingers moving.